Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned in to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. My name is Daryl. I'm your host, and this is episode 96. It is fantastic to be back Wednesday evening as we're kind of scheduling in now week on week, which is great. So this should be with you as normal Thursday morning for that ride or travel journey into work or wherever you may be listening to it. It should be out on Thursday morning for you. So uh, that routine and that regularity seems to be working well. It's uh, showing growth. You guys uh, are listening more, getting more involved. And I think the I think the regularity, the kind of schedule that we are adhering to, is just allowing it to become part of the zeitgeist and, and just part of routines. And it's showing in in how you guys are interacting with us, and we appreciate all of that interaction, all of that feedback. Every time you press play, it means uh, it mean it means the world to us. So um, so thanks so much for listening. And it's going to be a hot one. We're going completely political today, so I'm just going to give you that up front in case this isn't your bag and you don't want to hear me kind of go into the politics of you know what's, what's going on in the UK and what's going on in the US because that is predominantly what we're going to be on today. It's going to be a hot weekend. We're about to get a heat wave, but we're going in hot on what has been going on the last week in politics. So, Again, if that's not your bag, maybe this isn't the episode for you, but if it is, you've landed in the right place because we're going to get into it and we're going to get into it uh, proper now, okay? So, you know, we give a lot of conjecture and we give a lot of opinion and that's great and we're never going to go away from that, but I think we're at a crisis point with some of these issues now and they need to be addressed with the seriousness that they deserve and the seriousness of the problem that it it actually is. Um, So... Before we go into all of that, what's been going on in the real world? Because this seems, you know, this is real life here, right? But it's not your real life. It's not your everyday life. It's not how you spend the waking hours of your day tuned into politics and, you know, the nuance of all the, you know, the mess that is our bureaucratic system, you know, both here abroad and and globally. That's not your day to day. You've got too much shit to worry about. Family, job, kids, whatever else, girlfriend, wife, whatever, right? Life, staying in shape, doing the best you can, you know, keeping on. Not everybody's got time for this shit. But it's hypercritical now more than ever, in my opinion, that we are tuned into this. So if I can provide any summarization or, you know, any kind of, you know, Cole's notes, as it were, uh, to what's going on. I want to be as factual as possible with you guys. But just the nature of who I am, there's going to be opinion, there's going to be bias, there's going to be emotion thrown into it. I can't remove that. And I, I don't want to remove that because that's what makes me interested. That's what keeps me kind of passionate about these things. And I wouldn't spend 90-odd episodes talking about them. Um, just on that, I am in as I said before, talks with some guests. I am trying my best to arrange it for episode 100. This is 96, so we've got approximately a month to get all the details worked out. And and again, you know, it, it's life. Shit happens. Schedules conflict, so on and so forth. But as a one-man team here, I say we all the time, but it's more of a, a kind of a, a, a mystical we. Um, 
it's just me and I'm trying to work it out. So I'll bring you guys more details as we find out about that. But um, but we're going to go in today because there has been some stuff happening and maybe you've had time to listen to some of it. Maybe you've skimmed it. Maybe you haven't at all. So I guess first things first, we're going we're gonna to start in the UK because that's our primary market and that's where I live and we've got some really pressing issues so I've been talking over the past few weeks about the Tory leadership race, which is now, you know, eliminated all stragglers that we knew were there for the purpose of just padding the the stage, right? The debate seats, you got to fill them in with somebody. And, you know, in typical Tory fashion, it was, you know, it was absent of any diversity whatsoever, minus the... Um, Appearance of Savage Jadid. I always fuck his name up, but you know who I'm talking about. Anyways, doesn't matter because he lasted a week and now he's gone, as we knew he would be. Because really, this is a one-pony race, and that pony is now uh, about to, you know, about to cross the finish line. And I'm talking obviously about Boris Johnson. If you had your head under a rock, but the the race right now is between. Him, and I, I say race, there's no race. We've got nothing to do with this, right? The electorate has nothing to do with this. This is Tory party members voting for the Tory leadership, which will assume the prime ministership and lead the country towards a path of destruction, which is known as Brexit, right? And this is going to be Boris Johnson. Apparently, he's been cuddling up to the people he needs to be cuddling up to. I'm sure he's been doing this for many, many months in preparation for what was ultimately going to be, you know, the path forward. Because there was no way Theresa May was ever going to fi- figure this Brexit thing out. Boris Johnson knew that when he started the rhetoric about this and took that bus around the country with Nigel Farage, who again has disappeared, by the way. You haven't seen Nigel Farage since his last milkshaking. He's gone now. So he's pulled the Brexit, the the the, the Trumpians, as it were, right? The, the the Trumpists. You know, he he's he's brought that demographic to the table now. We saw that in the EU elections. And now that he's kind of ducked out and what's the Brexit party, right? I mean, come on. Those votes and those constituents are for Boris. And hopefully aligning this along with any possibility of a second referendum or a general election, what is going to happen is exactly what happened before. You'll see a team up of those two people. They'll pull those demographics and those voters together to try to beat out what is currently a split Lib Dem and Labour voting segment of the population. But if you take Lib Dem and you take Green and you take Labour, there's no comparison. It blows the Brexit... Tory coalition out of the water, right? So we just need to stay focused on what is actual here. And the actuality is there's no deal without suspending parliament, and that is unconstitutional. So effectively, without saying so, that's what Boris Johnson's plan is. Ultimately, once Boris made that declaration, you saw people like Dominic Rabb jump out of the race, right? Michael Gove and Rory Stewart, they're gone, right? Now this is a now this is a Jeremy Hunt attempt to stay in just to pro- just to provide some sort of opposition. But Je- we've seen that Jeremy Hunt is such a wet blanket. We've seen him pander and cower in the face of any adversity whereas 
uh, international diplomatic affairs are concerned, that there is no chance in hell, and I don't really think he wants it, there's no chance in hell he could be prime minister. There's no way. And the Tory party aren't going to allow it anyways because Boris is their man, right? Boris is the guy they think is the reinvigorator of the Tory party, the one that's going to bring some interest and some fun and excitement. You hear words thrown around like this. And I say to that, how about some honesty and accountability and some answers and some details to the plans that you think you can get through that haven't already be tried, that haven't already been tried? You're going to go back to the EU and negotiate. They've said categorically they're not interested in that. So what are you going to bring to the table? What are you going to do in the instance of a no-deal Brexit since you're not taking that off the table? What will happen then? How does our industry work? How does our, how do, how does our tax plan work? How do our tariffs work? How does the movement issue work? None of these things have been addressed. And yet he's the front runner by some margin. And now we're going to see these Tory debates, you know, I think there's, what, 10 or 15 of them scheduled, you know, coming up. And everybody says, don't worry, you'll get your answers, you'll get your answers. Okay, but how come he cannot answer very, very simple questions like those that were asked by the likes of Owen Jones and other people out there that are questioning his credibility from a from a character standpoint he can't even answer these questions and then there's the row he's having fights with his missus and things are getting thrown and broken and then all of a sudden a doctored photo comes out of them lovingly dressed very very similar sitting at a country table or a garden table looking you know looking lovingly into each other's eyes just gazing i mean this shit is vomit inducing it is so obvious and so transparent of how staged and how forced and fixed this whole process is. And I think the only thing that can really happen to satisfy the overall mood of the country is to have a general election. Because you're seeing reports now that even Jeremy Corbyn's aides are saying, no, 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 we definitely don't want a second vote. We definitely don't want a second vote, right? That'll, that'll screw things up even worse. So just when Jeremy Corbyn comes out and makes you know, very, very uh, easily easily agreeable statements, you know, the things he said about Trump and, you know, the way he's spoken up about Saudi Arabia arms deals and things like that. These are interesting points. These are things I can get on board with. But I cannot get on board with walking us towards this Brexit cliff with no demonstrable, demonstrable plan. You can't, you can't show me what the future looks like. And everything that is happening with the current running of the government now, or I, I should just put that in air quotes, because absolutely nothing is getting done at the moment. We have no plan for anything going forward. We have trade deals that are barely worth talking about. The promise of trade deals that are barely worth talking about. So what is it that sustains our strong sixth largest economy in the world, our, you know, our, our valuable currency that's always been ahead of the game and ahead of the global markets. What happens to that? What happens to the job losses when the movement of materials and manufacturing is stalled because of immigration delays and under-resourced departments that move this 
business on its way back and forth as we have now. Well, what is the plan? So all the photo ops, all the quirky little jokes, all the, oh, is this the guy that's going to reinvigorate the Tory party? No. No. He's not. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's got very, very little integrity. And he's a charlatan. Because you can tell just by looking at Boris Johnson that he is a nasty piece of work. When he doesn't get his own way, I bet you he is like the worst petulant child, but violent and aggressive. You know? Just one of those, just one of those terrible people. You can see it. You can see it when pressed in interviews. Go back and look at some of the YouTube clips because I've been doing that recently. We have to judge this man on his past. And I don't care about whether he fucked around on his wife. I don't. What I care about is policy decisions he's made. Honesty and integrity decisions he's made. When you make up quotes about people, when you misrepresent people, when you refer to people in the most derogatory way, it says a lot about your character. From a professional standpoint... His firings, based on his lack of character, should show you why, that he, why he should not be trusted to lead this country at all. But we're past that inevitability. We're already into the point like we should be able to see it now. Boris Johnson is the PM. It is only a matter of time passing that is delaying this from becoming a reality. There is no way in hell that Jeremy Hunt is going to be the PM. And if I'm wrong on that, I will absolutely eat my words and apologize for getting it so unimaginably wrong. Because if anybody sensibly thinks that Jeremy Hunt has half a chance in this race, they haven't been watching what's going on. He's, he's already clinging at straws because he knows, he's, he, knows he has 10 to 15 debates. To coax information out of Boris Johnson. Why is Boris being secretive? Why is Boris hiding? Why is he not facing the public? When he's going to have 10 to 15 opportunities on on this debate circuit to do that. Why not go after his credibility? Why not go after the person himself? Why not go after his past infractions? I'm not saying bring up the, you know, affairs or, or, or any of the stuff with the women. I don't care about that. That's not why I elect politicians. It does say something about character, most definitely. But I'm more interested in the dishonesty, the incompetence of him in the job. People say, oh, he was a great London mayor. Was he? Was he a great London mayor? Or did he just pander to the rich and introduce some bikes that you can hire? Which, again, were a revenue stream sucked into the TFL that had nothing to do with us. I see Boris bikes all the time around, right? They've now got a different sponsor, blah, blah, blah. And do they act as a mode of public transport? Definitely. Is that a good idea? For sure. Does it make somebody a good mayor, a good politician, a competent politician, someone we want leading our country? Definitely not. Definitely not. And maybe I'm cutting his resume short. But what I do know is there 
there is an optic from the regular folks in this country, which is not distorted, that says you have to go through a certain path to have a chance of making any policy decisions in this country, full stop. Like I've been contemplating running for office, running for local council, because I'm so sick and tired of the crime here the lack of attention to the streets and what we pay our council tax and how we use our, the funds that we give to the borough and why they're so underfunded and why my local councillor spends more time on Brexit than he does with his local constituents. These are the things I want to ask. These are the things I want to find out. And I've, I'm, I'm starting to look into it because I'm, I'm giving it some serious thought. And do I think I'll win? Realistically, probably not. It, it would be, I'd be hard-pressed for a guy who sounds like me, who looks like me, and who acts like me to be elected uh, as the member of parliament for a borough like Greenwich and Woolwich, which is where I reside in southeast London. But that said, we currently have an MP who is not present. He's not visible. He announced his re-election. Matthew Pennycook uh, announced his re-election on Twitter yesterday. And I, I just reply to them. I'm not a troll on Twitter. I just ask people questions. I don't call them names. I don't attack them personally. I just ask them questions. And so when he announced his re-election, I asked him, could you tell your local constituents the five top achievements of your time in office currently and the five things you plan to change, I think it was that I said on the tweet, Five things you plan to attack going forward if re-elected. Nothing. Nothing. Not a, not a reply, not a like, not nothing. And I'm not looking for validation via interactions and likes. What I want is my fucking questions asked. Because I'm a taxpayer and I live in his borough that he's looking to get reelected for. So guess whose name's not getting an X next to it if he doesn't come back and answer my questions. I don't have time to go to any public forums at the moment. But if I do, I will. And I'll ask him to his face, which I know I'll get a politician's answers for, which is another reason why I'm considering doing this, because I'm sick of politicians answering questions with politician answers. That's one of the problems with our system. They have expert ability to dance around the actual topic of conversation and it infuriates me and it should infuriate you too because whatever they're dancing they're not looking you square in the eye and telling you the truth they're trying to make some shit up that makes them sound acceptable and I think we have to be way past the point of acceptable politicians we have to be looking for standout characters that are willing to do the best for the people that they represent full stop and if you're not that person and if you're only pretending to be that person, then you need to hit the bricks. And you need to be called out on your bullshit. And that's what I want to do. And that's what's really inspiring me to put a soapbox up. And to really go out there. But it's tough, right? I mean, I don't want to cop out. I don't want to use life as a cop out. But, but life can be a cop out sometimes. But if we really want it, we're going to go get it, right? So I, got, I just got to give it some thought, look at what the process is, see if there's any restrictions that you know, may disqualify me before I even fill out any forms that are required. Um, but it's something that I want to do because I'm so sick and tired of this. I mean, I talked about it on a show a uh, few back, 
about how this whole thing could have been a, a beautiful serendipitous um, event that Nigel Farage and Boris got together to, you know, levy these lies against how easy and lovely Brexit would be after we left the EU. And now it just so happens that we've had the EU election and then Boris is going to be in there uh, because Theresa May's resigned. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's all, it's all coming around and we're not getting anything. We're not benefiting from this. We haven't benefited from anything to do with Brexit. We have no beneficial plan outlined as to what's going to happen day one of no deal Brexit, which is what Boris is saying we have to do on the 31st of October. Cool. What does the 1st of November look like? Then what does the 1st of December look like? Then what does the 1st of January look like? And so on and so forth. Give me your 30, 60, and 90 day plan, but give it to me with that and extend it out. So I want a five-year forecast. Give me that as well. The media outlets need to be held accountable for this as well because they're not asking these questions. They're not really grilling these people. Some examples that I've given while talking about this definitely have, but we're not grilling these people like we need to, and maybe that'll change in the debate, so we'll see. But one positive that I have seen in UK politics this week, which from a guy that I can't stand, um, you know, but again, I don't care if I don't like you. If you're doing good things... You'll have me on your side for that, right? Unless you're some complete asshole, complete Donald Trump. Like, even I admit when Donald Trump does something good, it's just so few and far between that I don't get the opportunity to while I'm talking about the whole entire mess that he's creating. But one of the good things that's come out of UK politics this week is the announcement that Michael Gove has actually raised the limit on uh, maximum jail terms for people who are convicted of convicted of animal abuse and I don't have the exact definition of what this uh, new law applies to I know it's like mistreatment of farm animals is one um, and I know obviously like severe mistreatment of animals uh, domesticated animals I think is also included um, and and that that is massive for me I love that I love that and if who knows how I would have felt about Michael Gove if he would have announced that a week and a half ago. Really, really, it's really interesting because animal cruelty and the protection of animals is a huge, huge thing that I hold very dear in my heart. And I've always said that if I ever hit the lotto or ever was, you know, successful enough to have, you know, wealth of, you know, multi-generational wealth, like let's say that, like if I had, if I had proper, proper money, I would do everything in my power to make sure another animal didn't suffer ever. Like, I would be spending so much time trying to get that dog festival in China completely canceled. I would be throwing... Like, if I was Jeff Bezos, that fucking pro that problem would be sorted. There'd be no more animal farms. I would put a task force together, and I would fully fund it to get rid of that problem, get those poor animals rehomed, and make sure that there was a proper spay and neutering program across all breeders in this country. And I would do a lot with that, by the way, as well, because I don't believe in breeding for things like crufts either, because you just breed them into deficiency. So to hear that one of our politicians has put an initiative like that together and has raised the bar on it, do I think it's severe enough? Not even close, but that's personal. 
taking the limit from what it currently was, which I think was like more. It was in the months. It was in the months. It might have been like six months or something like that um, to five years as a maximum. I think fantastic. I think we just need to be uh, we need to be liberal with our application of the maximum fine. Like for me, some of the stories that I've heard about animal cruelty, I think people need the death penalty. Like I heard about a story of this woman in America who took her old dog down to the water and it jumped off a dock and it was old and it couldn't swim and she watched it become exhausted, fatigued, and then drowned. That woman deserves the death penalty, in my opinion. I don't care. I don't care if you agree with me on this or not. This is not an opinion where I'm like, oh, I hope everybody's on side with this. I think if you, I think if you do that to an animal that is helpless, that is innocent, you deserve that to be the day you take your last breath. That is it. And that's a very hard-line approach, but that's how I feel. If you hurt animals, you're the worst kind of person. It's like if you hurt children, right? Like this family in America, and I don't want to go down this road too much, but I, I read another report. Maybe I need to watch some like E! Entertainment or some shit or some rom-coms. But I was, I was reading this news report, and it was about these two people. I can't remember if it was in the States or if it was in the UK. Um, but these two people were charged with beating their child to the point where he died of his injuries. He was a toddler, like three years old or something like that. I might have some of the details of the story wrong, but that is in essence what happened. Now, they're going to get a certain amount of years for that or months for that, or I don't know how, I don't know where it was, so I don't know what the statues would be. Um, but the point is, there is no years or months, in my opinion, with that. Death penalty. I don't care. Death penalty. Corporal punishment for people like that. Because what do we need them around for? We definitely don't need them in society. And what do we need them in jail where we're paying for it? For what? Let's be honest. For what? Is there any use for them? Is there a rehabilitation that's going to get them to be a functioning member of society? Hey, <clears throat> I was convicted of beating my four-year-old child to death, and I'm 35. Oh, I hope the rest of my life has something. Once I get out of prison, I hope I'm reformed enough to become an accountant. Get the fuck out of here. Death penalty. See you later. Why? We don't need you. We don't need you. If we're trying to be the best versions of ourselves, then we have to do that collectively. And I'm not saying corporal punishment for everything, but in the severe cases, in the severe case, like, is there any doubt in anybody's mind? that reads that article, that that's not true? That that's a misunderstanding or maybe it was somebody else? No. So what? So what? We're going to house them in prison and give them therapy to figure out why their mommy and daddy was mean to them when they were kids and what made them do that? We already, we already know this stuff. We already know this stuff. You know what's going to be a, you know what's going to stop? This cycle of nonsense where we have people in society that think it's okay to torture animals and torture children and beat the child to death. What's going to stop that is by eradicating the people who have the gene pool and the lack of fucking 
any semblance of humanity from and stop them from procreating. And you can do that in two ways. You can do that through chemical castration, and you can do that through the death penalty. And I won't get into the nuance and how I think they should be divided, but if you are caught, convicted, unquestionably, for doing something like beating a child to death, raping a child, watching an animal drowned that's yours, that you've had, see you later. Don't need you. Don't need you. Don't want you. Hot dose. See you later. That's it. And that's harsh. I know it is. But imagine being a four-year-old child getting beaten up because your drug-addicted, alcoholic mother has put you into an, an environment where your father takes all of his miserable life out on you, an innocent child that's barely able to walk, so many breaks in their legs that they're not developing correctly, or standing on the dock while you watch a dog staring into your eyes as it loses its breath and slowly goes under the water and is panicking for you to help it and you do nothing I'm sorry but you don't deserve any more breaths so when I see Michael Gove doing something that takes measures to improving the penalties levied against people who are fucking scumbags in terms of how they treat animals I am all for it. And who knows how I would have thought about him last week if he would have released that. So, my thoughts on on that. Uh, but yeah, always positive when a politician actually does something good. Um, and, and, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's probably one of the best things Michael Gove's ever done in his political career. So, uh, kudos to him. Um, what else is going on? Right, I think... I think we need to go to America. That's what I think we need to do. I think we just need to move on over there. Um, before we get into everything that's happening over there, I, I don't know if you've seen this video. I saw it this morning. Uh, it is of a woman in Oklahoma. We're, we're in America now, folks, so we've, we've taken the trip, right? There's a woman in Oklahoma. You can Google this. It's on Twitter. It's on YouTube. In Oklahoma, this black woman is seen approaching her neighbor's fence, right? That's separating their two properties. And up her hand comes and she's got a gun. And on the other side, the door to her neighbor's house is like half open. And one can only assume that this has escalated from a physical or verbal argument. And this woman has gone back into her house, gotten her gun, come comes out, and she starts shooting at the half-open door in her neighbor's house. So she's shooting at her neighbor's house now. And she lets off a number of shots, and then she retreats. And you're like, well, that's fucked up, but America, right? So is what it is. And then she comes back, and all you see in the corner of the camera before her, um, kind of her, the back of her head appears, is flames. I'm like, what the fuck? And it's only very quick. And... What you come to quickly realize is this woman is holding a Molotov cocktail. I swear to God, this is true. It's on the videos online. It's not done either. So she takes the Molotov cocktail and she throws it over the fence in the doorway, and it starts to burn on her neighbor's floor. Now I don't know what I don't know what 
the argument was about. I don't know what kind of neighbor this is. I don't know what the, you know, what the lead up to this was, but that is an unnecessary escalation because you don't firebomb somebody's house and you don't buck shots at their, at their front door or their side door over an argument. Any dispute is not worth that. She fired off like six rounds, seven rounds at the door and then goes and gets a Molotov cocktail. Like she's in like, uh, some, what, like 1970s movie? Like some gangster movie or something? What's that? What's that? Mo- uh, it's a fucking a Bronx Tale, De Niro's film, right? They Molotov the uh, the Black Kids Bar. And then one drops in the car and they blow up. But C's already left and he's back. He's back with De Niro. If you've never seen Bronx Tale, you need to sort your whole life out. But yeah, this woman Molotov cocktailed her neighbor. And you know how she got caught? Obviously, I told you there's a camera there. I'm watching it, right? It's her camera. It's her camera. So she shot at her neighbor and then firebombed her neighbor. And the police used her own home CCTV footage to confirm that it was her and arrest her and charge her. I don't know what she's been charged with. I would guess that it's got to be attempted murder or at very least arson. But that would negate the gunshots. So I don't know what's going to happen to her, but she looked like, you know, from Oklahoma, like didn't look like the richest person in the world, Um, looked a bit rough around the edges to say the least. But what the fuck, man? You don't know who your neighbors are, right? That's why I've calmed down with like some of the road rage because I used to have road rage when I was younger. And, you know, even on the subway or the tube in London, like somebody bumps you and you just get a bit pissed off. If you've had a long day, you can escalate that, right? Everybody on the tube is at a nine. Right? They're effectively at somewhere between a 7 and a 9 on the stress level. As soon as they get down those escalators, as soon as they walk through the barriers, the, the stress level just shoots through the roof. Shoots through the roof. You could be at a 3 walking in. As soon as you tap your card on the thing and the gates open, you're at an 8. And then if it's crowded on the train and you're bumping and you're squeezing in and you rub shoulders with somebody, it's hot and it's sweating. That shit goes to a 10 straight away. And all of a sudden, you could have a fight. I'm surprised more deaths and murders from beatings and stabbings are not on the tube with the way people act. It's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely insane. So I've calmed myself with some of that road rage because you just don't know. right? Usually, I'll check a guy's ears. If he hasn't got the cauliflower ears, it doesn't look like he's had a broken nose, might be okay. right? Unless he's a fucking, unless he's a tank. And then I'm going to back up anyways. But, you know, I try to check it out. But what... Rather than checking out physical features, you know, for the likelihood of being pummeled to death, just calm the fuck down. So I've calmed down a little bit here in this respect. And it's served me well, of course, you know, not being confrontational, not being, you know, a loose cannon is always a good idea. I was a nutbag when I was younger and I'm working on it every single day to be calm. But it doesn't serve me well in some in some instances because I end up getting tread on when I shouldn't be tread on. But you got to be careful with road rage. You got to be careful with escalation because somebody can get killed. Like you could be arguing with this neighbor about, you know, how they're watering their plants and the fact that they're getting your garden wet or something like that. Who knows? And they come back and they shoot your house up and then throw a Molotov cocktail through your window or through your door. Like you just don't know. It's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. I had to calm that shit right down because. The realistic fact of the matter is, if you get into a fight with somebody and you hit them, you could kill that person. 
And even worse, I don't even, yeah, have to be worse, right? The flip side of that coin is they do it to you. And if you've ever seen fighting, like I watch fighting, and if you've ever seen, you know, street fights on like World Star or just on the internet in general, and you see somebody's head click clack off the concrete after getting KO'd in a street fight, that is one of the scariest things you could see. And if you hear it, and you hear that person's that that ugh, that sound of skull hitting pavement, that is one of the most devastating sounds. It makes me cringe even thinking about it. But the truth of the matter is, it happens every day. It happens every day, and it's just not worth it. So you got to chill. You got to chill. And this woman had no chill in her. She had all the chill gone from her body. She was red hot. Uh, and again, I don't know the backstory. I don't know the escalation. This could be a problem. They make shows out of bad neighbors, right? But I, nothing's worth that. Like she's going to she's gonna go to jail 100%. She tried to burn her fucking neighbor's house down. I was trying to shoot at that person. Like, those weren't warning shots. She was shooting them through the door. Those ricochets could have landed and hit somebody else. I don't know who was in the house. But that lady had no chill. And you just have to have some, some control. And practicing practicing self-control is a bitch. Especially for someone who is impulsive as I am. You know, I like to go, go, go. And I got to pull myself back constantly, not from doing like just like weird shit or anything like that. But, you know, when I drink, I like to have a few more too many drinks. You know, when I'm partying, I like to party. I may only have three hours in me. (laughs) For those that are listening that know me know that's for real, for real. I might only have three hours in me, but and that's probably that's that's probably the issue is I don't pace myself. I just go and that's got a whole bunch of reasons as well, but you got to have some chill, man. You got to have some moderation. Just got to have middle ground on things, especially when you're dealing with other people. But it makes me question, like, how much of that? Because I used to fly off the handle, and I used to be very quick to, you know, jump. And I, I've taken a step back from that. And I've taken a step back from that because, you know, the, the consequences, they, they just outweigh the benefits 10 to 1. You know, even if you're trying to do something noble or trying to do something good or something you think you should stand up for, right? You always get fucked, right? It's like trying to tell your best friend his girlfriend's sleeping on, sleeping, sleeping around on him, right? You're the one to deliver that message to your best friend. You best believe you're probably not going to be best friends anymore, right? Because we've seen it before. He forgives the girlfriend but fucks you off because now she hates you for ratting on her. This is the way I feel sometimes in the corporate environment as well. When you try to stand up for something, like something inefficient is happening or something, you know, something is just clearly problematic and you just want to scream to high heavens, why is this allowed to occur? This is affecting everything from a structural and process point of view, but nothing gets done about it. And you're just sitting there, you feel like you're Will Ferrell in Zoolander. You feel like you're taking crazy pills. You're like, how can people sit around and watch this happen? Even for one day without addressing it with severe urgency. Capitalism work off complacency. Capitalism doesn't work because you let things continue to be fucked up. It is the process of streamlining and efficiency, which increases margin and productivity. 
This is not hard stuff to understand. But so many businesses get it wrong. And I've worked in some. Good Lord. Just examples of what not to do in every scenario. But it is what it is. And ultimately, right, if I'm out there listening to this, I'm saying, we'll just start your own business. You don't fucking like it? Go and do your own thing. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So right here, right now, tell your friends to subscribe to my podcast. (laughs) Because all I want to do is this. I just want to talk to you guys. I want to have guests on. I want to do interviews. That's all. So tell a friend. Anyways, (laughs) way too long on the crazy neighbor. We got shit to talk about. And I want to keep this to about an hour. So if we can blast through this in like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, that would be fantastic. I don't know if we will, but we'll see how we go. Right? So we're in America. We've driven through Oklahoma. We've seen the crazy bitch that's firing and throwing Molotovs at our neighbor. Now what? Well, I think it's really important to look at some of the things that are happening in, in the states right now. Um, the press secretary has resigned. She's being replaced by Melania Trump's press secretary. So she's a loyalist to Trump. So don't expect anything different from this new one that's coming in to deliver whatever briefing she may deliver. Sarah Sanders didn't do one for like 90 days before she resigned. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, holding out hopes for any transparency or honesty from this new press secretary. She looks horrendous, by the way. She looks exactly like what you'd... She just looks like a bitch. <clears throat> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to call her out on her features or anything like that. But you know that like it's it's called resting bitch face for a reason, right? It's called, you know, one of them faces, you know, for a reason. So she's got one. And I expect her to be one. Because what would lead me to believe anything other than that? She's been a Trump loyalist for years. And she's his wife's press secretary. So not holding out a ton of hope for that. What I am tentatively holding out some hope for is Robert Mueller is going to testify live in person to Congress and answer questions about the report that he produced through the special investigation office um, and which is being debated day after day after day after day. This is what Trump is hopefully worried about because it Robert Mueller is now resigned so he's not part of the special counsel he's not part of the DOJ anymore so effectively he's a private citizen and I don't know if that restricts anything that he did while in his uh, function as special investigator special counsel but I hope not because this could be the crux right this could be the big one Hopefully, he's going to tell us exactly what he meant and clarify any misconceptions, misunderstandings, or misjudgments that may have been thrown out to this point about his report part one or part two. So I am holding out some hope for that, but not much, not much, because it's going to be an absolute, it's going to be an absolute farce. And all I hope they do is break down his report and get him to clarify. Whether it's on other investigations, which I'm not sure he'll be able to talk about, but certainly the report that he produced, the misconceptions and the lies that were told by 
uh, Bill Barr, his boss, basically saying if he wanted to charge the president, he could have when Mueller contradicts that. So let's talk about that contradiction. Let's tell we've had these legal scholars on giving their various opinions. Tell us. Tell us the truth. So I think it's July 17th that's going to be the date he testifies. And I'll be tuning in hard for that. So um, so let's let's hope. Fingers crossed something happens that uh, that is useful. Um, what is not useful, you know, if we go if we go opposite to that, let's talk about let's talk about Trump. Let's talk about Trump for a minute. There's a few things I want to address with this guy. All of which are making the news now. All of which I'm sure you've thought about in some capacity or another. But maybe you haven't. And maybe some of the details you don't know. Everybody knows about the border crisis. We're going to talk about it. Everybody knows that Trump's a pervert. We're going to talk about it. But what I want to talk about first is (coughs) the fact that Trump was recently... Uh, recently had a settlement named after him, right? Trump Heights in Golan, I think it is. It's on the Syrian border, I believe, with Israel. Um, So you heard what I said, right? And I've talked about this before. It's a settlement. It's a settlement. It doesn't belong to Israel, right? It's something that they haven't given back and keep by force. And now they're going to build settlements on there and move in Israeli citizens, right? It's exactly what they're doing with the Palestinians, but they named this after Trump because, you know, Trump moved the embassy to Jerusalem and he's big friends with Netanyahu. And now the proposal comes out. The, the peace, the peace in the Middle East proposal from Trump comes out. At least the financial aspect of it comes out. The commercial aspect of it. Not the political aspect, although there are some like political spl- sprinklings in there that we can talk about that will have what I think will be catastrophic effects. Let's just say from the jump, the proposal that's on the table now is not going to work. Not going to work. I'm going to run you through the finer points of that in just a second. But this is effectively a one-state solution is what it is. Let's boil it down. This is ex- this is what this is. And let me also preface the details of this by saying everything that I say about the Israeli government, Benjamin Netanyahu, is not reflective of all Israeli people. I know a lot of Israelis do not like Benjamin Netanyahu, do not agree with his policies, do not agree with his uh, private life, his his you know his uh, effectively money laundering, taking bribes and influence, you know some this sort of thing. We're not talking about that, and I'm not being anti-Semitic because I'm attacking. The Israeli government, okay, or this proposal. So anybody that fancies flinging that word at me, save it, because you're barking up the wrong tree. And I'm not gonna bite. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into the anti-Semitic flinging, shit flinging contest that people out there like to get into. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna tell you the, the details that have been released on this plan so far. Right, so this is the this is the deal of the century, as proposed by Trump and his team. What this one state solution proposes is 
a $50 billion investment to Palestine from America. But it's not actually, it's a loan. It's not an investment, it's a loan that Palestine would have to pay back. Promising a million jobs, one million jobs, but hasn't specified the industry. However, the details of the fact that the West Bank coastline is to be rebuilt could give you some indication of where those jobs potentially could in some part come from. However, it would effectively be indentured servitude. So the coastline of the West Bank is to be rebuilt. However, Palestine is to give up 60% of it. So they're not even being told what 60% of it is, but 60% of it is 60% of a very small area that is already being settled on, destroyed by Israel. So what 60%? The blown to shit part or the shit that's by the coast or all of that? Like how is that encompassed? So there's no details on that. They just said that 60% of the coastline or uh, the coastline is going to be rebuilt and 60% of the West Bank would be given up by Palestinians. Right? Does anybody out there currently think this is a good plan? Next, Palestine aren't allowed an army. They have to be protected by Israel. But they only get protection from Israel if they pay them. So it's a military contract with a country that has had their country already slashed by 80% and now is going to have another 60% of the major territory taken away from them. How do they expect anybody to sign on to this ludicrous proposal? This talks about nothing in terms of international protections, trade, tariffs, the free movement of goods, the free movement of people, the fact that there are religious settlements now being taken over or have been taken over by the Israeli government, by the Israeli army. What about that? What about the equality? What about the fresh water and supplies and electricity and common services that are required? What about an infrastructure? What about a power grid? What about an internet? Nobody's talking about anything. This is the proposal, and I'll read it again. $50 billion investment that has to be paid back, so it's actually a loan. One million jobs created, but not from an industry that we've been told about, although one can presume that it will be from Trump and Netanyahu privately contracting out real estate, commercial, residential, and otherwise to that coastline to provide or try to provide a tourist industry that then, you know, it'll be indentured servitude, right? But Palestine, the West Bank coastline that has to be rebuilt, Palestine have to give up 60% of the entire territory, including probably all of the coastline. They're also not allowed an army and they have to pay Israel for protection. So as I said, this is hailed as the deal of the century. This is hailed as everything the Palestinians could want. Yet there's no political details in there. And this absolutely does not benefit the Palestinian people. So when is the international community going to wake the fuck up and actually address this and stop calling anybody that criticizes Israel an anti-Semite? Anybody that says that they're, you know, that they're con- the concentration camps on the border of uh, U.S. and Mexico are denigrating the, the memory 
of the Holocaust. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Anybody with half a brain knocking around between their ears can see that is just rhetoric and just it's 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 an inflammatory accusation for the state of being an accu- an accusatory declaration. That's all it is. Sorry guys. I'm drinking my smoothie here. I was going to talk about flipping uh, my kind of diet on its head, but we'll get to that another time. So this is horrendous for, for the Palestinian people. It will cons- it will continue the subjugation of those people to even greater extent if they were to accept this proposal, which I don't expect them to. But I mean, God, who's going to help them? Who is going to help them? It's not going to be us. It's not going to be the UK. We can't even get our own affairs sorted out. We couldn't organize a piss up in a pub. How are we going to help this Middle East process? We don't have the capacity of our politicians. Boris Johnson couldn't even he couldn't even negotiate the release of a prisoner in Iran. Dealing with the Middle East peace process. Absolutely not. This is horrendous. So anybody that's not aware should have a look at this because if you're not talking about this, if you're not paying attention to this, then you are part of the problem. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to spend every day looking at politics, but I'm asking you to be aware of what is going on in the world that you inhabit because it matters. And if you plan on having kids, it's going to matter to them too. And if they plan on having kids, you know where I'm going with this? It's not about you right now. But it is on you to pay attention so you can make other people aware or at least protect your family in some way. Like, this is going to be bad. It's going to get fucking worse before it gets better, guys. I hate to tell you. Right? So what else is going on? Well, we could look at the recent, most recent rape charge uh, accusation levied at Trump, right? By this, uh, she a journalist, I believe she was, back in the 90s, has come out. Nobody's given it even a second thought. We're on Joe Biden. Right, everybody's fucking ready to attack Joe. Biden. I don't like Joe Biden, but everybody's ready to attack Joe Biden about this or that. Everybody's ready to attack AOC for this and that and concentration camps. That, like, what? The president of the United States has been accused of raping a journalist, of sexually assaulting a journalist. And if it was one story, <coughs> you could say, okay, she doesn't like him. I could fucking you, you can push that away as like a, you know, an angry person trying to be vindictive, whatever. When it's two, you can be like, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? But like two, same story. Could be some collaboration there if I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt to Trump, which I don't. But you could kind of almost say, okay, maybe not. Maybe that. Maybe that's something to look at. You know. But you're still kind of apprehensive. When you have 22 women coming out and saying that this piece of shit touched me the wrong way, this piece of shit did this to me, this guy did this to me, Do we not owe it to ourselves, to women, to the victims, to seriously investigate this and hold this absolute waste of space accountable? This is 22 women. How many came out and accused Cosby? Fucking scratch that. How many came out and accused Harvey Weinstein? Scratch that. How many came out and accused Kevin Spacey? Scratch that. How many came out and accused Louis C.K.? Do you see what I'm getting at here? For some reason, 
we give this guy a pass because we think he's just some ignoramus or for whatever reason we give him a pass. I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. It's disgusting to me that this doesn't even make the news cycle. Only now is the BBC in the UK talking about the crisis on the border between the US and Mexico. And that's what we're going to finish on, I think, today, is just by going over this. Because we are at the point now where this, this is just, it's untenable. It is untenable, right? This wall stops migrants. Oh, okay, it stops migrants, stops illegal immigration, stops the drug traffickers. Well, it doesn't, right? They don't come that way for the majority of the time. We know this, okay? Now, if I walk from Guatemala to Mexico to try to get across the American border, Am I a drug mule? Am I in any way significant to the drug trade? Especially if I'm like carrying a child? Honestly. And I know some of the mules are using children as disguises. I know that's a tactic they use. I'm not ignorant. I'm not naive. What I'm saying is we have a crisis going on in Central America that is being bolstered by the U.S. And they are taking no accountability for that problem which is causing this flood of illegal, uh, not illegal, it's just migration. People are fucking trying to get a better life for themselves. Migration. It happens. It happens. But what's happening now is a policy has been written in by the Trump administration that says if what they're trying to do, right now they're sending people back to Mexico, right? Because they've, they've, basically got this thing that says uh, you have to fill it out in Mexico and if you haven't then you go back there uh, or you can claim asylum but you can't wait in the Amer- uh, in America you have to wait in Mexico for it and that could take months and months and months if you legally are detained in the US then you get to the detention center they separate you if you're with any kids this is becoming the problem <coughs> the problem is that You've got these camps, and they are, in fact, concentration camps by definition. Just look up Merriam-Webster's definition of a concentration camp, and you tell me that that is not what's going on on the U.S.-Mexico border. Five-year-olds taking care of two-year-olds. Kids sleeping in clothes. They haven't been able to change for weeks They got shit on them. They got piss on them. They got sick on them. They got snot on them. They got dirt on them. They're children. They don't have toothbrushes. They don't have soap. They don't have beds. They have cots. They have mattresses on the ground. And they're stacked into those cages by the dozen. And the amount of migrants that are coming up to the border is increasing. Because the humanitarian issue in Central America is increasing, aided by the disruption of America. So they are part of this problem. They're also doing nothing to stop the problem at the source. And when the source reaches them, right, when the folks actually get to the border, they're treating them like slaves. They're just not making them work. They just get to sit around, but they don't get nothing. They're hostages. They're hostages. And what the Trump administration is trying to do is extend this kind of, I don't call it a catch and release back to the country you were, 
you know, that you've entered America through, right? Which is only which is only Canada or Mexico, right? So in this case, we're talking about Mexico. So all of these illegals are coming through Mexico. Therefore, if you get detained, you have to go, or if you process for asylum, you have to go and wait for it in, in Mexico, right? Problem is, the gangs in Mexico are starting to extort these people, rape these women, so on and so forth, right? These are not the people that are coming over to start a drug empire. They're not. I'm sorry, they're just not. And I can't make that statement blanket for all of them, but what I can say is that for the most part, they're not going to be that person. They're not going to be that type of people. You don't make that kind of journey to cause shit. You take that journey because you want to do better for your family. Like the, the man who was found drowned in the Rio Grande today. Face down in the water, right up against the banks on the American side. Only made more heart-wrenching by the fact that his daughter was in his arms. Stuck underneath his shirt. Dead. Floating there too. A man and his daughter. Is this a, is this a drug mule and a diversion? Or is this a guy trying to do better for himself? Either way, the problem needs to be fixed, and it doesn't need to be fixed the way they're doing it right now because what they're doing is they're underfunding ICE, they're underfunding the Custom and Border, border Protection Services, and they're not expanding. They're not handling the expansion of this problem the way it needs to be handled. They're not putting more judges in place, processing centers in place. They're not providing better materials and better shelter and better care for the people who are in their care. So, Democrats now have released a $4.5 billion proposal as an aid package to sort this problem on the border out. Trump has come out and said, I'll veto it. If it comes to my desk, I'll veto it. It won't make it past the Senate, but if it does, I'll veto it. Everybody that has a hand in closing this aid package down is responsible for this problem continuing. And I'll tell you what, I agree with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because what these things are is concentration camps. They are. They are internment camps. You're enslaving people for no reason other than you don't know what to do with them. Because your leader has no plan. Now, the skeptic and the conspiracy theorist in me says, oh, that's interesting. Photo op of a dead man and his daughter the same day the Democrats release an aid package. Ooh, very political. Very on time. Couldn't have worked out better for them. Is this a wag the dog scenario? I don't know. The conspiracy theorist side of me, right? That little piece in my brain that says question everything is kind of like, hmm, that's a bit convenient. But I don't want to make a mockery of a tragedy. And the pictures that I saw in the news this morning were goddamn tragedy. Disgusting to think that in the richest country in the world, America, they don't have the funds to give children toothpaste or soap, or proper showers, or beds. They don't have the resource to put more staff in place. How about using some of that border wall money? 
That's the problem here. The national emergency is the border crisis, but the real national emergency is the man in office right now. He's tearing the foundation of that country down. And part of me loves a revolution. And you got to go through those hard times to get on the other side of, you know, on the other side of chaos, quite frankly. And we are living in chaotic times. I'm encouraged by the fact that 550 Wayfair workers are going to be stepping out today in protest because it's a weird one, right? So Wayfair have a contract to supply some beds to these detention centers, these concentration camps, as they're called. But in doing so, they're aiding the crisis at the border by allowing them to house and separate more families. So the workers are leaving work today. They're protesting this involvement. And that political action is welcomed for sure. But again, a little part of me is like, well, fuck, they're sending them beds. Beds are better than mats on the floor. But then again, you shouldn't be able to profit off a crisis like that. I just don't think that's right. So I stand with the protesters that are walking out until Wayfair bends to this and has nothing to do with the humanitarian crisis that is going on on the border. This is for the government to fix. They should be on it now. And the only ones that are raising a fucking hand to do anything about it is Nancy Pelosi and Democrats with AOC and folks like that. So what we're talking about here ultimately is what side of history you're going to be on. We already know Trump on multiple levels is going to be on the wrong side of history. All the way back to when he stole his daddy's money. All the way back when he ripped his dad off of a 400 plus million empire. Lying about the fact that he got a $1 million loan. Like that's small change anyways. Lying about every single thing he does. And all of the other problems that I've outlined on previous shows. We're not talking about that, but if you've listened, you know about it. What we're talking about here, again, is people who can enact policies without, I mean, they're not even making eye contact now, right? He's just doing this from the comfort of the Oval Office, wherever the fuck else he is. But someone who can put children in this position, vulnerable, unkept, uncared for, unfed, unhoused, separated from their caregivers, looking after each other, trying to be self-sufficient in what is effectively a jail for nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. And for him to put this rhetoric out there that, yeah, we're separating them. And if you look at his policies, he wants to do it more. He wants this expanded. He doesn't want to be getting rid of hundreds a day. He wants to be getting rid of 10,000 a day. And then he wants to sweep the country like they're doing because ICE are planning on doing raids. They've got, pl- they've got plenty of time, resources, money to do these raids on people who are living in America already, but nothing to help those that are the least fortunate when they come across the border. I'm not saying open the door up. I'm not saying let them flood in. I'm saying have a process that is based in humanitarian efforts. You've got everybody across the world now saying this. The World Health Organization is coming out. UNICEF is coming out. All of these charities are coming out. You've got people doing Kickstarters. You've got people doing funding to help uh, supply resources. I read a story about a guy who was trying to help these people. 
trying to help these people. When they came across the border, he was trying to help them. Food, water, something to sustain them. They're trying to lock him up for 35 years for helping. This is the government's in place in America right now. This is the mindset of the man running the show. And it can't be allowed to continue. So what this is about is about what side of history you're going to be on. And if you're not in a position to influence this power directly by being in the room with them, then you have to impact it and affect it by voting, by mobilizing, by being vocal, by paying attention so that you can be remembered by your children or your friends or your family as being on the right side of history. Because if you are in favor of Donald Trump or any of the policies that he is enacting or buy his rhetoric and swallow his lies as truth, then you are absolutely part of the problem and you are absolutely on the wrong side of history and you absolutely should be remembered as such. Your virtues go away when you are part and parcel to the problem, especially one as catastrophic as that which is happening on that border right now. I'll say it again. If you are one of those people who is willing to look the other way while a guy like Boris Johnson assumes power in this country and does not force them to look at doing a second referendum or and or a general election you will be on the wrong side of history because this is going to tear our country apart economically it's going to give us no plan for the future we're going to be destitute we're going to have to pay more for goods and services we're not going to be able to move around like we used to be able to and ultimately our institutions will be broken because we will not know how to fix them. We will not know how to rectify the problem that has taken place now. We will, know, we will not know how to rectify the issues going forward. And we will become a victim of the process. Because it becomes too fatiguing. We get media fatigue. We get social media fatigue. We get everything is designed to make us complacent. To exhaust us mentally. So it is important that your diet as we talk about healthy eating on this show from time to time, has to be in line with what your goals are. Are you trying to fuel yourself or are you trying to kill yourself? Are you trying to move forward or are you going to die on the sofa? You cannot be complacent with the media diet that you consume either because if all you're doing is taking in negative, if all you're doing is taking in stupid, mindless, numbing shit, that's a bad diet. That's sugar all the time. That's candy all the time. Can't have that. You've got to be more switched on. It's your responsibility as a citizen in this electorate, in this country, and in this world to be more present. So I don't want to hear any more shit about I can't be bothered to watch politics. I can't be bothered to follow it. It's all so depressing, the news. I can't stand to watch the news. Okay, cool. So when it smacks you around the face and you're a victim of the circumstances that you couldn't be bothered to pay attention to, I don't want to hear shit about you complaining about it. Take some action, right? It's all in your hands like it is in mine. So I'm going to be investigating this political entry, seeing what I can do about that. And if it still takes my fancy, great. What I am confident in is, is if we share this message, and if we share the points that we've discussed today, and if we talk openly and honestly, without arguing, without partisanship, we can come to see the light that is at the end of this tunnel, we can wade through this dysfunction and get to a place where the government, where the services work for us as they are supposed to. The politicians, the counselors, the MPs, they will work for us as they are supposed to because we put them there and we can take them away. 
And if you get that honor to represent a constituency, a group of people who depend on you to do the best thing that you can for them, then you better fucking do that. Because if not, it's gross misconduct and you should be fired. Never to be allowed in again. Get out of here. And if you're in it for your own self-interest, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And that's all I see at, the, at this current point in time. So let's wake up. Let's be conscious. Let's be aware. And let's be active. Because if we do that, we can affect the change. If we do that, they'll know we're here. And if they do that, they'll know who they answer to. And they'll know if they don't, they don't have a chance of being successful. And that's what we have to make abundantly clear to all of these people. You might have fooled us once. George W. Bush, right? Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice and <laughs> you're not going to fool me again. All right? Wake the fuck up, people. I'm incensed by this. People living in mediocrity. People with their head in the sand. And if it is you, I'm talking to you. I'm aware. But I'm also aware that if we share this message, that this platform becomes the one of importance. This outlet, this medium becomes the one that we can voice our concerns with. This is the one that gets amplified. This is the one that people subscribe to and sign on to. I'm confident if we share it, we can get there. So with that, we've gone a little bit over. We're past an hour and 10, but that's okay. But we are going to sign off because that's a wrap. And I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want all my shows to be like this, but we have to address these dysfunctions and I'm going to steadily and you can check us out on Twitter if you don't believe me because I'm going at these motherfuckers every day. Not trolling them, just asking them questions. And you can see how little interest they have in being held accountable or even responding to the simplest of inquiries. And those people deserve to be gone. Boris Johnson, gone. And I'm not talking one party or the other here because from a local level, I'm represented by a labor MP, Matthew Pennycook, and he can fuck off too. Because I don't think he's good for anything. On the national level, on the federal level, Boris, nah, can't have that. But there's nobody I see that is actually going to do the job well. I don't have any faith in Corbyn. I think we need a coalition government that is made up of multiple parties, multiple stakeholders, and they need to get sign off from us before they do anything. So in that... I'm going to sign off myself because it's Wednesday evening. I've trained somebody. I've made them feel a little healthier today. I've had a rest day. I feel great. I got a new mattress. I'm getting great sleep. I'm feeling good. There's problems, sure, but I'm still feeling good. This is the thing. You don't have to be depressed and sad to deal with the issues of our world, of our society, of our government, of our finances, of our economy, of our, of our life. Just because there are things to fix doesn't mean we need to be in a depressed state. We can do improvement without being sad or being negative or whatever. So stay positive, stay focused, know what you want to do, get it done, but don't settle for shit. And if you're not paying attention, you're bound to fall in it. You're bound to step in it. Don't do that. Don't be a shit stepper. Wake up. That's it.
Right. We're gone. So, episode 96 of The Quiet Part Loud. I'm trying to get guests on for show 100, as I said before, and I'll keep you tuned with any updates on that. If you guys haven't already, though, I would love it if you'd subscribe, either on iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify. Probably iTunes, I would have thought, because it's easier for most people, but I know Spotify is getting a great amount of adoption right now from the podcast world, so um, if it's that, fantastic. Give us a follow on that. More importantly, let us know what you think of the show. Just drop us some comments on Twitter or rate us in the iStore, whatever, right? Uh, it doesn't matter, but all that stuff counts for us, and it, and it means that you're listening. So let us know. We want to hear from you. So you can get us on SoundCloud. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on iTunes, all those places. And you can hit, a, hit us up on Twitter. So what, you know, what are you waiting for? We want to hear from you guys. But more than that, just want to say that I appreciate you guys listening. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with uh, some more sunny topics to talk about. Um, but take care of yourself this weekend. Always carry water. It's supposed to be 30-odd degrees out, and it's been muggy as shit in London, so don't be silly. If you're traveling on the underground, public transportation, walking outside, whatever, and it's muggy, just take a bottle of water with you. It's a lifesaver. Just be prepared, and uh, you'll be a lot safer. So we'll be back next week, guys, so enjoy the weekend. Hope you get a little bit of a suntan on your pasty white asses, and... uh, We'll be, uh, we'll be back to do it again next Wednesday evening. So, I'm your host. This is the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm Daryl, and this is episode 96. And until next time, guys, all the best.